Briggs is the Blizzard Man. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. My name is Jeff Stokes. I'm your host today. We are missing CJ Schrader, but I am joined by Level 3 Judge Brian Prelliman and our guest host, Level 2 Judge Jeff Higgins. Hey guys, how's it going? So Jeff, who are you? Uh, I am, as of the Born of the Gods pre-release, a Level 2 Judge from Portland, Oregon. He's still I... got that new L2 smell then, huh? Ooh, it's 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 a nice musk. It it develops. Um, Ew. So I, uh, I yeah, that's uh, that's that's not the certification. I'm just gonna let you know. Uh, <laughs> you should probably take a shower. Right. Okay. <laughs> oh oh I sh- yeah. Um. So I, I grew up in the Northeast, uh, in uh, Boston area, and have since moved out to the Pacific Northwest. And I started judging. I was certified at GP Anaheim and uh, moved my way up to the Northwest and have been living there and loving it ever since. Wow, I'm impressed. Something good came out of GP Anaheim. Oh, (laughs) that's rough. I, I don't remember the GP other than I played Miracles, I was already planning on testing, and I still disliked Geist of St. Traft. Yeah, that was uh, – Innistrad Block Constructed was the format for that GP. It was uh, not so great. So speaking of playing Magic, there was a pre-release this past weekend, wasn't there? Or the weekend prior to th- – this past right. one. Yeah, yeah. So, yes. so uh, the the Board of the Gods pre-release was recently, as Jeff already mentioned. Um, it was uh, it conflicted with another event that a lot of Americans like to pay attention to. Um, it, it's like it's it's the sports ball or something. I don't know. <laughs> ah, yes, hand egg. What what is that? What is that called? That's the 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 amazing the amazing dish the. Um, it's it's the it's the giant plate I think the giant plate. Yes, I remember I remember seeing a commercial for a superb owl, and I didn't understand how owls and egg balls work together. Oh, it's it's because they, they that's what they lay. I mean, they lay eggs. Owls lay eggs. Right. And they're 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 kind of egg shaped because you know they're eggs. So yeah, so the yeah. Super Bowl conflicted with the, with the uh, pre-release, but. Um, it could have been worse. I mean, where I am, the Niners didn't make it to the Super Bowl, or we would have been completely hosed. Um, but uh, we, we we still had a, a decent attendance. Yeah. Um, I imagine many, up your what's that? How many people did you have? Um, we had about uh, between seven and eight hundred, I think, total entrance over the weekend for all six events. Um, we had to turn some people away uh, during the morning event, actually. <laughs> on Saturday, because uh, the second space that we had set a set up for the, the players to take part in, we had a sprinkler head uh, explode and start spraying water everywhere. So it flooded uh, at about 930 in the morning. Oh. And uh, so we went, wow, we just we just lost like 40 something seats that we could have sat players in. Um, that, that was not good. And I it, that was actually my fault. <laughs> so um, that's that's actually something that. uh uh Judges like L ones and L twos when they when they're when they're starting out and they they tend to ask questions. It's like, well, what do you do when this happens? And what do you do when this happens? And well, what do you do when the sprinklers go off in the building? You're like, ah, uh, call me when it happens. So right. Jess, so Jess, uh, when this happened, what'd you do? So fortunately, I was the only person in the room when it happened. So it's your fault. You did it. Oh, it was totally my fault. It was actually my fault. <laughs> you- um, you had the little cigarette lighter and you're holding it up. No, I wonder so, how hot this thing has to get so before it goes the, off. The, the, the room, it used to be, and it's, it's been redone, but it used to be like uh, like an automotive shop. So there's a bunch of like garage doors that open. And in the inside, it doesn't look like an automotive shop anymore, but, um, but it's still got the garage doors. Well, one of the garage doors, I was opening it up and it fell off its track and hit the sprinkler. And uh, it, it brought, popped the sprinkler head off and with water went everywhere. And uh, after I, you know, 
sore. And, well, there was there was that, and then there was uh, the you know I had to clean out my pants because um, it was it was rather surprising, and I became wet suddenly with the water that was spraying everywhere. Uh, <laughs> we had the fire department come out, and in order to fix it, they had to actually like turn the whole sprinkler system off for the building. And uh, then they were very unhappy with the fact that we had an event with like several hundred players going on. Yeah, fire and, hazard then. And there were no sprinklers. And they were like, you guys need to get this fixed right now. <laughs> so I was dealing with head judging an event and trying to get somebody out to fix the sprinklers and all this other stuff. And uh, that was that was fun. That uh, is an experience, a first that I've It was a heard. first. And I, yeah, I don't have a lot of those pre-releases anymore, but this was definitely a first. Um it's not something I want to repeat, uh, but we got through it. We got through it. So yeah, we had we had a bunch of players. Now I understand uh, Seattle made it to the to the Super Bowl. Did that affect your guys' pre-release more up closer to that area? You know, I don't know. Um, we had decent turnout uh, at both of the shops that I had gone to. Um, fifty, like fifty-nine at one, which is a smaller shop, and then uh, downtown Portland had probably about their usual numbers. Uh, so I don't think that that affected it a ton. Um, okay. Okay, cool. Well, um, did anything ha- interesting happen at y'all's pre-releases? Uh, a Crohn conscriptor is yep. insane. Yup. Uh, what else? Not, you know, um, Ricky Hayashi was able to snap a picture of someone enchanting vigilance on an inspired creature. Just just process that. Wait, what? So the observant Alcide, the vigilance. Uh, oh, okay, right, right. It putting that on a creature of yours with inspired. Yeah, I saw that on, on Twitter. Yeah, that's how Ricky had fun at the pre release. Twitters. Just taking daggers. Um but you know. So let's we, let's bring up a, a, a rulesy thing uh with the Crow and Conscriptor. Uh, sure. So a crow and conscriptor says, whenever you cast a spell that targets a crow and conscriptor, gain control of another target creature until end of turn. Untap that creature; it gains haste until end of turn. What happens if you target your a crow and conscriptor with, you know, follow the hammer or something like that, and you want to steal one of your opponent's tapped inspired dudes? Well, so. There's I've actually heard about this templating with uh, I believe it's threaten and act of treason and you are going to control the uh, the trigger the inspired trigger me the controller of the acron conscriptor the acron conscriptor okay why uh, you're going to control that because you gain you gain control of the creature first and then it becomes untapped uh, with with a period in there yup. So he's a really strong card in limited and just really good. Yes. So I have a rules interaction that actually came up with the pre-release. Um, we had our two-headed giant event, and a bunch of people opened Tromocratus, uh, which says um, that the defending player can't block Tromocratus unless they block with all of their creatures, basically. Okay. Like, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically right. what it says. And nobody knew how that worked. So there was there was during deck building there because um, I wasn't actually judging this event I was taking care of some other things during deck building uh, there were judges trying to find me to figure out how does this work because our players asking yeah. do you guys know how this works you pick a defending uh, player right uh, you would pick a defending head uh, because this is one of those situations in two headed giant where a choice is required and you can't just choose the team. So that's actually not how this works. No? Really? No, it's not. So it would work that way if this was a triggered ability uh, that, that required you to choose a player. And it would work okay. that way if this was a characteristic defining ability that affected the defending player somehow. But it's since it's not. not either of those things, and it's asking for a positive comparison, which is, uh, you know, are they blocking with all of their creatures or not? Um, it affects both players. Either player can block, but if they block, they have to do so with the whole team. Okay. Their whole team, not not. I'm sorry. When I say team, right. I don't mean a giant team. I mean their whole, all of their creatures, and right. their teammate could also block with all of their creatures, but the team as a whole does not have to block. So it's each individual player as a whole. Yes, and so it works kind of like Island Walk, where if one of the players has an island, it's unblockable for both. Got it. It's asking for a positive comparison. Got it. 
Um, okay, so about- it, it works almost in essence, though, right? Or no, 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 because there's no choice. There's no choice. You don't have to choose uh, a player. The defending team gets to choose whether or not either of their players is going to block, and either of them can, assuming that they meet the other requirements. Okay. What about uh, so that was that was why everybody was running around like we're not sure how this works and I had to dig up some two-headed giant rules to figure it out. Got it. Well, uh, I also, so another I, I, I'm not sure how this works. Uh, I found another interesting thing just talking uh, about in like one-on-one action with uh, pacifism effects and Tromocratus. since uh, it, uh, okay. Well, mainly since it doesn't have the all, all creatures if able. So if what a if a creature I control is pacified, for example, that can't block, then I'll never be able to block your Tromo Kratos. Oh right, yeah. The same thing happens if you tap one of their guys down or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so like it's just ridiculously good. Yeah. Um, yeah two so, yeah, giant. That's the pre-release. Oh, it's like I the guess. third paragraph down in this rule. Wow, this is a really long rule. What's that? Oh, you're looking at a giant. Yeah, yeah. Eight ten dot seven B. If any blah snore, go to sleep. <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> this thing's huge. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty ridiculous rule. Um, you know, it's it's uh, like you read it and at your first you're like, oh, okay, so they have to pick. You're like, wait, no, no, they don't. Okay. Yep. There you go. Any it starts any one shot effect that does this. Any characteristic defining ability does this. Big paragraph, big paragraph, and then all other cases in which the defending player is referred, actually referred to both defending players. Learn something new. Every uh-huh. day. Every day. All right. Yep. Well, since so, we got a new set, right? That also means we got new policy docs. I think we yeah. did. Nah. We actually um, got all three of them were updated. Uh, that is correct. Actually, I think I remember seeing you uh, combing through one of the documents in IRC a couple of days ago yes yes this, this new technology the the irc i keep hearing about yes the ir well okay so the the new documents we got a new jar we got a new mtr tournament rules and we got a new ipg um the ipg and the mtr have this wonderful appendix that tells you what changed the jar however since it's only a two-page document uh doesn't it would be a third page and it would and... be a third page and so i sat down for the purpose of this of for for this podcast going over the old version and the new version line by line to figure out what was different and the end result i came up with was eh, nothing really I mean, you know, there, there are programs you can use for that. They'll compare text documents to each other. You know, the amount of time it's a two page document. So the time it would have taken me to to like find them and Google them and get them on my computer. Probably it was just as fast to do what I did. Fair. Counting, complaining on IRC about how I had. <laughs> you probably did more complaining on IRC I than probably actual did. But comparing. So, so in reality, we're. Unless you guys have something specific, I don't really think there's anything necessary in the MTR. It was basically just clarifying language. There was, as best I could tell, no policy changes in the document. So if you understood how it worked before, great. If you only think you understood how it worked before, why don't you go read it again? There's there's one – I mean it's it's kind of a – the dead horse was finally removed from the MTR, that being extended or the format that no longer exists. Yeah, it still makes me sad. Is extended still a thing, man? No, no, no. Extended, extended is not a thing. Well, I mean just a thing in people's minds. I mean do they even remember it? I think people do, but – as far as the MTR is concerned, extended is not a thing because all references have been removed. It's well, like extended was was killed as a format a few months yeah. ago. Isn't it one of like one of those things that like in the Harry Potter, you can just like wave the little wand, pluck the memory out of the head. Didn't that happen years and years ago? No, no, no. Extended was actually uh, it technically existed until I'm kidding about the years <laughs> a, a few months ago. And, uh, and they removed it. But when they when they did, they didn't remove the references to it in the MTR. It was just an oversight. So they fixed that in this edition of the MTR. There, there are no more references to extended, except in the appendix that tells you there are no more references to extended. Yes. 
So so let's so let's talk since the since the since the jar didn't have a whole lot of changes, let's talk about something that actually did have changes, the 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 MTR. So we already mentioned that references to extended got uh got removed and in a few places uh modern got moved into the section numbers that they occupied. Um but really they're not a whole whole lot in the tournament rules either. Um there was a change in section 2.3 uh which is talking about the pregame procedures and basically it was just clarifying a question that had been posed which is uh do you get to sideboard after games that that uh ended a game loss. So basically if um let's say you get a deck check or something like that a beginning around deck check and uh, they, they take your deck and they come back and there's a problem. Uh, you receive a game loss. The question has been, well, we're going to be starting game two. Do I get? Do we get to sideboard? And the answer is, uh, I believe no. Uh, that's correct. There is no there is no opportunity to sideboard uh, in the fir- for the first played game. Okay, so even though you are starting technically starting game two, since there since game one was not played. Uh, there is no opportunity to sideboard. Now, right. I want to clarify something. Yes. If uh, if you and I are playing a game and we're 10 turns into the game and I get a game loss for drawing an extra card or even for a deck deck with problem, mm-hmm. we'll go to the next game. We'll still be able to sideboard because yes. gameplay has taken place. Yeah. Sp- right. Specifically, the MTR says if game actions were taken during a previous game of the match. Yes. Okay. So, basi- so really... If the game never happened, then there were no previous game actions, so you don't get to sideboard. But, you know, playing is is, is game actions. All right. Um, the next thing was, uh, it is, again, this has been policy for a while, but we're finally calling it out uh, ex- uh, explicitly. Um, so what happens if uh, you are shuffling up for the next game and maybe resolving mulligans when time is called. Well, wouldn't you, you get to know. So if time is called and you're shuffling up, uh, you do not begin a new game. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So if no so, game actions have been taken, you're done. Yep. And that's, and that's been a question. That's been a question a few times. I know way, you know, back in, back in my early career, I made a few calls where I was like, eh, sure. Why not? It's good customer service. What could possibly happen in five turns anyway? And we could make the round last another 15 minutes. Uh, that's exactly what could happen. That was the <laughs> wrong call to make at the time. No, I learned my lesson. And and so we've we've here it's it's clarified in the MTR now. Um, so that seems like a pretty straightforward just adding in, you know, a sentence. Yep. Uh, let's see here. A clarification was added that you may count your opponent's sideboard at any time. Okay, so before it was a little bit ambiguous. You knew that you, you could present your sideboard uh, or you're supposed to present your sideboard at the beginning of each game and your opponent could count it then. But after the game's begun, you know, let's say the player didn't take that opportunity to do so. Uh, can I ask in the middle of the game, hey, my cards are in your sideboard. Well, I don't have to show you now. Yeah, actually, yeah, you do. <laughs> so that's been clarified now. So that's to remove that question. That's that's I like I like clarifications, um, especially when players have a question about, you know, documents. Obviously, it's a smaller number, but I, I'm able to direct them to the documents that we use. Yes. Yep. And uh, were there any other relevant policy changes in the MTR? Uh, no, there was the bannings and the unbannings for modern. Right. But so it, the, the MTR did not have a ton of additional stuff. Oh, one other thing, um, they added the, and this isn't, this is, I mean, this is normally added to the MTR. Uh, they added the, the product mix for a Theros block seal. Oh, right. Yes, they did. And, uh, that's the only reason I bring that up is because it's different than it's been in the past. In the past, you would play sealed with four packs of the base set and two packs of the small set. And for Theros and Born of the Gods, the split is instead three of each set. For, for uh, Theros, for, for sealed. For individual sealed. Yes, for individual okay, sealed. Okay, yes, yes. Um, and then, they, and then they, uh, for draft, detail, it's still two and one. Yeah, they detail all the, um, you know, for Team Rochester draft, if you're so inclined. What? what, what yeah, because that's going to happen. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? Team Rochester draft. Is that really there? Is that really a, 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 a individual booster draft or Team Rochester draft? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. What is what is 
parts of the MTR I don't ever look at for 100, Alex. <laughs> uh, that would be Appendix D, Brian. <laughs> what is that? There's appendices to this thing? Um, so, well, yeah, that's that's where the, the change logs are. Yeah, I know. Yeah, actually, Appendix A, where the change uh, Before the show started, Jeff and I were in chat talking about how Appendix A really should be the last appendix because it's the change log. You should probably just look at the, the last page and see where the change log is instead of having to find Appendix if A. You, so if you look at the uh, IPG, you'll find that the last appendix is the change log. Right. And it's not uniform. I'm just going to be amused if they do change it and they put that change in the change log. Oh, that will be that's that's like change logception, isn't it? <laughs> logception. Uh, and then the last thing, of course, is the, the modern bannings, which Brian already alluded to. Uh, so what? Is, so what happened? Well, it's it's kind of a big change. Uh, Death Red Shaman is being removed uh, from the format. It's banned. Uh, it was a very strong card in both early and late game, and they decided it was uh, too powerful for the format. Um, it is still legal in both standard and legacy, and so, and vintage, and also vintage. And your Rochester team sealed if you're. <laughs> <laughs> just saying i mean if you're gonna uh, if you're gonna ban a card from from that block it's probably gonna be pack rat in limited so <laughs> <laughs> but that um, didn't happen. so th- that's that was happening and then two cards were unbanned bitter blossom which has honestly been coming for a while that that card was banned out of fear of the fairy menace at the beginning of the format and for and, judges that's probably the most significant because yeah. the yeah the judge foil bitter blossom has skyrocketed in value. Yes, and look, I might have one of those laying around that that hasn't been sold yet, but I probably don't, which saddens me because I probably sold them for like thirty bucks. I read a story about a, a certain level three from Virginia who found one hiding behind uh, a karmic guide. Yeah, yeah, in their binder. In a penny sleeve, I believe. In a penny sleeve. Yeah, I, I heard that story. Um, and then, uh, so the other card that was unbanned is Wild McConnell, which I expect to see a lot of play. Uh, it's a very strong card. It was banned because it was so powerful early in the game, and they have unbanned it because without it, there haven't been a lot of true aggro decks, and they feel that that's necessary to make it come back. It was it was in that original Pro Tour for Modern, and it competed really well against some of those degenerately broken combo decks. Right. Well, they they also banned uh, Greenson Zenith in that same banning that banned Wild right. Cattle, and that is still banned. Yes. So yep. I think this will be fine on its own. Uh, and actually, there was one more ban, uh, although it was made by the Rules Committee for Commander, and I figure we can talk about that as well. Sure. What's uh, Commander? Uh, Commander's this thing with... It's like, that game sucky people play. Oh, it's that thing that's kind yeah. of like magic. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay. and that's me. When I say sucky people, that's me. I love Commander. Now, uh, that's not to be confused with people that suck at magic. Brian is just sucky no. people. Right. Uh, so in Commander, uh, or EDH, whatever you prefer, Sylvan Primordial was added to the ban list. And it's the first banning I believe they've had in a long time. Yeah, uh, for a while, I think. Well, since uh, Primeval Titan, right? Uh... Let's see. Uh, the last banning they had was Trade Secrets in April 22nd? I can't be right. Their changelog is off. They banned Trade Secrets? Yes. Trade Secrets has been banned for almost a year now. Huh. Uh, July. That, that would be continuing our ignorance of uh, <laughs> cards that aren't allowed in uh, EDH. The problem with having a ban list for a format that's full of house rules is that it's a format full of house rules and people play whatever they want anyway. Yeah. Um, it's 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 really casual. Oh, and, and that's whoa, one... whoa, whoa. That's no, this isn't the card that I was thinking of. All right. I was I was thinking of trade routes and I was like, how is that banned? <laughs> yes. Trade routes is, is banned. No, no. Yeah, I was All like, right. I don't understand. Well, I think we can safely move on to the, the IPG. Let's do it. Um, oh my goodness! With, uh, and one thing I should have mentioned is that if you'd like to follow along while we're talking about this, uh, you can you can look up these documents on a Wizards page that has a long URL, or just go to judgecast.com/docs to get redirected to it. Docs. Yes. Hashtag shameless plug. Yes. Hey man. Well, so they, when they got rid of the DCI.com/docs, yep, we, I remember we that. Put that up for ease of use. Yep. So I blame Watsi. <laughs> um. Even though it's probably not relevant, we could blame Worth. 
seems. Uh, so anyway, um, IPG I, changes. Are there any relevant changes to the IPG? Uh, so there were no major policy changes. There were, there were no major ones, but there were there were some some things. There were some changes. Yeah. Uh, both both significant changes um, were to deck deckless problems. Right. Uh, why don't you, Jeff? Why don't you tell us? Pick pick your favorite and tell us about it. Uh, so I'm going to go over what happens when both players get a deck deckless uh, game loss. So previously, they don't uh, get to sideboard. Previous, well, yes, they don't get to sideboard. Okay. <laughs> um, so previously, th- that match would now be scored as one one, and they would be in a not sudden death, but effectively sudden death. I don't know because sudden death is actually a thing, but they 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 would have one more game to play. However, under the new changes, now the game losses do not count towards the current match they're in. Um, that's, uh, you know, playing that third game is not as relevant as a reason they changed this as what happens when that game loss occurs for game two. Right. So, for right. example, if I if I play pacifism on your guy and we're playing in the same sleeves. Oh, no, that sounds bad. And then uh, and then you scoop up all the cards and you scoop up the pacifism with it. You shuffle up and you've got it's limited. So you've got 41 cards in your deck and I've got 39 and neither of us are playing a legal deck. Because you're you're playing a pacifism that's not in your list, and and I'm only playing 39 cards. So what would happen is you'd both get a game loss, and whoever won the first game would just immediately win the match. Right. And this is, is, eh, you might say this is fair, but it also can incentivize a form of cheating where I win the match, so I intentionally scoop up your pacifism. Yep. So if I win win game one, I just keep that pacifism, and suddenly I just win. And if you don't notice, I win the match. And that's really hard to tell because that's something that happens legitimately, not infrequently. So what this has done is it still allows the penalty to be tracked uh, without the feel bads that come from from that situation and without the incentive to cheat. So the penalty is still tracked, but since both players are, are at fault for this, we have decided that rather than than penalizing the players in a way that incentivizes cheating, we'll just let the game ma- uh, the, the match score stand and have them restart. Right. I like that change. Yeah. So the so the thing here is that even though it can end the current game in a double game loss, it, it is not actually recorded as a game loss for the match, only in the as a recorded penalty. Right. So the other the other change for deck deckless problem is really just a clarification that we never give penalties for missing sideboard cards. Uh, that was that was in there previously, but it was I guess it was just a, the wording was either a little bit too ambiguous or not front and center. So they changed the wording to bring that further. So if you lose sideboard cards, OK, um, it's 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 not a it's not a penalty. It's not a downgraded deck deckless problem or anything like that. That, that sounds good. Also, that sounds like it's a hangover from when your sideboard had to be 15 cards or zero. I, I think you mean carryover. Hangover yeah. means something, something different. Like the MTR or the IPG had a nice night out and, and got a little too drunk. Sounds like a fun night to me. Yeah. yeah, so, <laughs> yeah don't go out with your drinking buddy, the good old IPG. Yeah. <laughs> so it used to be like way, way back. It was I think it was a penalty, like missing cards and sideboard. Um, but th- we've over the time evolved that really, if you're, you know, yes, you're allowed 15 cards, but if your sideboard only has 10 in it and you're missing two of them, well, that's really, there's not really a way that you can gain an advantage from that. No. From having lost, uh, uh your, your death right shamans. There, there is a minor potential for abuse, but I think it's pretty obvious if it happens. Right. And that is like. I'll mind slaver you and cast your burning wish. Oh, I lost my sideboard. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's no, no. Thank you, Captain Cornercase. Yes, <laughs> you it just, is a corner case. So what you just? But so is the sprinklers going off of your freely. So what's uh, the point? I'm just thinking it's like mind slaver. It's like oh, you got a burning wish, and the guy just knocks his deck box into his backpack, <laughs> which just sitting on the floor, just knocks it off the table. He goes, I don't know where it went. <laughs> no, no, guy, it's right there on the floor. It's just as like I don't know. It was here a minute ago. That's, uh, that's not my deck box. I'm holding it for a friend. Must have, must have been stolen. Maybe we should go check lost and found. <laughs> yes, if if that happens, call a judge. Yes. <laughs> I don't know where my deck box went to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
she's Jess. I'm just saying. Okay. Um, I, I'm saying that's the only potential for abuse I can think. So potential for abuse is very low in this situation. Sure. All right. So so you've identified those. Yeah. Were there any other changes? Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Which one do you want to do? Uh, I want to talk about the, the three pile shuffling. Okay. So previously in the IPG, there was a reference to um, cheating that was you think your opponent is mana weaving. So instead of calling a judge, you decide to undo his mana weave by doing a, a three card sh uh, pile shuffle. Uh, and this this was considered cheating. Now, the problem, that sounds great in policy, but the problem is twofold here. One is that, that doing, the, doing the, the, the pile shuffling like that is something that a lot of players do anyway. And two is it's very difficult to know what the player thinks. So this is almost entirely unenforceable as a cheating disqualification. Um, so, so it was removed as something that can be classified as cheating. We would still prefer that a player calls a judge, but it doesn't technically fall into the category of cheating if you pile shovel their deck and believe they have stacked their deck. Uh, that sounds yes. Call call a judge. We like that when you do. Oh, things. please, please call a judge. I want to catch this person cheating and kick them out of my store. I'm just saying, but but it's it, it's not something where we're going to disqualify you for doing the pile shuffle. Now, if you do the pile shuffle, it's completely impossible for us to prove they were cheating. So just call a judge first. Yeah, we don't like uh, vigil vigilante justice. We don't we don't like that. So please please call for a judge. But mm -hmm. uh, other than that, yeah, I mean, you're you're legal. It's it's kind of it creates the weird situation where you are doing something and suddenly before it was you could be cheating or not cheating, depending on how well you think your opponent shuffled. But you're still doing the same action. Well, it also put you in an awkward situation where even if the player wasn't pile shuffling their deck, if you believe or wasn't stacking their deck, if you believed they were and pile shuffled, you could be disqualified. Yeah, right. So like. And that's and, just terrible. And so a three pile shuffles legal, but again, <laughs> if you if you think if you think the person is 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 cheating, well, you can't do anything about it. You might be thinking it's like, oh, I got that guy. It's gonna you know he's gonna he's gonna up. Oh, yep, he mulliganed. I got him. You know, it's <laughs> like okay, but that's not really getting him. Getting there, him. I would also is, like to reiterate that just pile shuffling a deck is not sufficient shuffling. Right. If you, if you is, pile shuffle yeah. your opponent's deck, and then, well, what I was saying is, if you pile shuffle your opponent's deck, and then he mulligans, and you immediately, like, ha, got that cheater. Yeah. Well, no, that's that's not getting him. Getting him is calling a judge, having the judge look at the deck, determine that, yes, he indeed did cheat, and then getting him out of the event. That's getting him. Right? Agreed. Yes. All right. And then there was one more change. It was a semantic change. Oh, this one's the biggest change. This one's the most important change in the whole whole IPG. thing, whole IPG. So in the description for, in the examples for stalling, it's used to say a player intentionally, example D, a player intentionally exceeds the pregame time limit before the third game in an attempt to make it harder for his opponent to win in time. So that's what example D used to say. So what's what's the what's the problem with that example? But there's uh, no time limit. Yeah. Where'd where'd it go? Where'd that pregame time limit? It used to be three minutes, but now it's it's we've removed the time limit. Now it's just a player intentionally mulligans slowly before the third game. Yeah, so to cl to clarify, this doesn't mean that, that you can stall and it's not cheating. Uh, or it's not stalling. What, what it means is really if you're intentionally taking a long time to present your deck, you're stalling. It doesn't have to be three minutes. It's not I get X amount of time, which is one of the reasons it was removed is so players didn't have that expectation is really if you're just taking a long time and you're doing it on purpose, you're stalling. Yep. So it, yeah. used, to be, it used to be three minutes and now it's just don't be slow, right? Yeah. Okay. And that is the MTR, the JAR, and the IPG. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so uh, awesome. So that was, yeah. What about these judge foils then? Oof. Oh, yeah. So, Brian, tell us about the judge foils. Okay. So, the new judge promos that they spoiled last week on the Wizards website are in tomb with the same art and Carador something, something of the EDH Lords. Um, uh, also with the same art. <laughs> uh, yay. Yeah, not. I'm not excited about Carador. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm not, excited well, unless about they're going to go ahead and print it in an actual set, which I doubt. Right. I'm, I can't imagine the set it gets printed in. Although, actually, no, the set they printed in is the one they bring back Dredge in. Right, obviously. Yeah, so I guess in Tomb, this is, I don't know if you guys remember, years and years ago on like an MTV Salvation Forum, uh, uh, a Judge promo in Tomb got spoiled or leaked or there was a photo of it. Okay. Um, Yeah, this was this was years and years ago. You know, when I say years and years, two, maybe three. And then uh, uh, you realize the definition of years and years is actually at least four, right? At least four. Dude, I'm old. My mind's going, man, you're lucky I can remember that to take my Miralax this morning. Okay, so um, Miralax is something that helps you poo. Just in case. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I I unfortunately know what it is. Um, Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, um, it was spoiled. So apparently uh, Wizards has been sitting and then and then this thing, I guess they decided that they wanted Entomb for the Graveborn decks uh, because those came out shortly after. And we didn't see those Entombs anymore. Those Judge Foil promos. Fast forward three years later, I guess they decided Hey, we got all these uh, these entombs sitting out there. Uh, it's probably been enough time to, and this Let's is just me do something with them. Yeah, this is just me hypothesizing. I don't know what really went on. I'm just guessing. Right. Well, and I've 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 seen a lot of commentary on it back and forth. I don't know. I I have a reanimator deck which I play in Legacy and. Uh, I I personally don't like the promotional foils, um, the or the premium deck series foils. Uh, they feel very different, and not to begrudge them, but they look ugly. <laughs> I'm not saying I hate them or nothing, but they're ugly. I hate them. Wait, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know, it's it's kind of exciting. Although uh, they are taking the place of, I believe, bribery and crucible of worlds. Yeah, which are funsy cards. They are. Um, so yeah, those are those are the new Judge foils, and they will be in a Grand Prix packet in a city near you. Yup. And so, what's next on our agenda? What what what, what fun stuff can we talk about? Uh, this is going to be emails. Yay, emails. So the last episode, uh, we did not do emails, and we might not have even done emails in the previous episode. Uh, so we are going to catch up on emails and do a few more than we normally do. Normally we read about four or so, so we'll do we'll do a few more this go-round. So um, CJ, uh, who is ill and not with us this evening. Uh, also, uh, he's in Atlanta, which is apparently terrified of the two inches of snow that it's going to get tomorrow and has shut down. Did you guys see on the news, like when Atlanta about two weeks ago got the Wait, two so inches? Wait, is this the real thing? I thought you were kidding. Oh, no, no, no. no. It's, oh. I, re- I remember this. I so remember like two reading weeks this. Ago, two weeks ago, Atlanta got like two inches of snow and it shut down like kids stuck in schools overnight. There's people abandoning their cars the on highway. the on the interstate and like 18 hours stuck in traffic because of two inches of snow. I used to live up north. And you used to live in Boston there, Jeff, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, we love originally snow. from Montana, so that's just yeah. kind of laughable. So so two two inches of snow. Two inches of snow shut down a major like i think i live in orlando and i think we'd handle two inches of snow better than atlanta did i've seen two inches of snow in june that that sounds like a challenge to me brian perlman i would like to make this happen (laughs) go for try (laughs) whatever whatever get your evil scientist weather device bring the snow i i mean it would just melt the next day oh there you go I mean, here, here's here's what I don't understand is like if there's cars sitting on the road, they're generating heat and it's only two inches. It's only two inches. OK, anyway. Um, so let's let's uh, let's read some emails here. So uh, our first question is from. Well, anyway, like I was saying, CJ normally does this. So uh, we're going to be uh, a little rougher than normal. But. Andrew Brokaw writes uh, some stuff about uh, some sanctioning stuff that we handled offline. But his rules question is, uh, Alex controls 
an elite arcanist um, with, let's say, Quicken imprinted on it. Oh, he's just like, okay. Well, quoted imprinted. Quoted, quoted, Quicken imprinted on it. Uh, During Alex's upkeep, Nate casts Silence, targeting Alex. Priority passes, and it's now Alex's main phase. Uh, I know he's able to activate his Arcanist to make a copy of Quicken, but am I correct that he is unable to cast a copy because of silence? So, what's up? Uh, well, I need some Oracle text first. Okay. Oracle text on which card? Uh, I need Oracle text on Elite Arcanist. Elite Arcanist. So Jeff, um, there's this amazing tool called the Internet. I, I, I was saying that as a I'm trying to load the web page stall for me. Okay, we're uh, going to stall. Elite Arcanist. 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 I think it's Arcanist. Arcanist. I really don't know. Arc. Well, I mean, what what is an episode of JudgeCast without one of us hardly mangling the pronunciation of a word, right? Well, I think that's already happened. I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna say e- Elite Ar- Arcanist. Yeah, I, I like light. that. It's like okay. a nightlight. Night, exactly, nightlight. Elite, Elite Arcanist. Uh, whenever when he enters the battlefield, you may exile an instant card from your hand. In this case, quicken. Uh, for X and tap, copy the exiled card. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. X is the converted mana cost of the exiled card. So quicken is, I think, it's one blue. It lets you cast a sorcery as though you had, you know, like the next. Next sorcery you cast can be cast. So head at flash. flash. Yep. All right, and then draw a card. So the the important part here is that the uh, arcanist says uh, you may cast the card, not create a copy. Um, it functions similar to say Isochron Scepter would, in that you are actually casting the spell, but since you cannot cast a spell because of silence, you can activate the ability, but you will not be casting the spell. So here's the follow-up question to that, is what happens to the copy you created? Uh Uh-oh. You know, I'm actually not sure. I want to say that that copy just stays in the ether. In the ether? (laughs) Is the ether a zone? Uh, The ether is not a zone. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The ether zone. Uh, The ether zone. It's uh, it actually goes so it goes to the anti zone is what happens. No, I'm kidding. Um, oh, and that's and that's a state based action that does that, isn't it? <laughs> uh, there actually is a state based action yes. uh, that causes it to cease to exist, much like a token that has left the battlefield. Right. right. Yeah, that's one of those weird, uh, uh, weird uh, state based actions that you don't get to use a whole whole lot. Right. Yeah. Or, if a copy of a card is in a zone uh, uh, other than the stack of the battlefield, then it ceases to exist. Right. All right. So our next question is from Christopher J. Meyer. Meyer. Mayer. I believe it is Mayer. Meyer. Chris. Chris. I was going to go with Meyer. I'm pretty sure it's Meyer. Chris. To- Chris Topper. J. <laughs> Meyer. Chris, I would like to apologize. Uh, for uh, ugly G's for 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 Brian saying your name. <laughs> I'm doing it on purpose, man. All right, hi, hi, CJ. I hope you're listening to this. We love you, Porculus. Okay, Alvis casts Gray Merchant. Um, Alvis casts Gray Merchant of Asvidel and controls no other creatures. Uh, it resolves and its trigger goes on the stack. In response to the trigger, Neville casts Turn to Frog, or Turn for a standard example. We'll just say Turn to Frog. Uh, tar- turning Gray Merchant into a 1 1 blue frog. What happens when Gray Merchant's trigger resolves? Um, he goes, my guess is that two life is still drained. Uh, even though the spell changes many characteristics about that, about the creature, I'm assuming any characteristics that are unnamed, such as mana cost will remain the same. Uh, so anyone have any opinions on this? Uh, first, this is an amazing, uh, Harry Potter themed question because Neville did in fact own a frog as one of his, as his pet and, it was it was a good friend to him. Yeah, yeah I, I I get that with the I, I got that when we started with Albus as the active player. <laughs> it's okay, Brian. Brian's probably never heard of this Harry Potter. Who poot pooter? No man. Harry Potter once already. <laughs> this, this is the second time Harry Potter's come up in this episode. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, so. So what? So yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have a gray merchant that is now a one-one blue frog. Uh, however, its converted mana cost printed is not changing. 
So we will still be draining for two. That is that is correct. It's uh, and for the reasons he stated, it's it's not it doesn't specify that it's mana cost is changing. So it's mana cost is not. If it were making it a copy of something else, then it would change its mana cost. But since it makes it a uh, it just changes certain characteristics, it doesn't change its mana cost. Sweet. All right. Joshua Bishop writes. Uh, this this guy he took he took our lump of coal episode and combined. I, I am not going to answer this question for the record. Okay, so Joshua Bishop asks, if I block with a creature and phase him out at the end of declare blockers, will he die from combat? I'm working on a phasing and banding EDH deck. Thanks for the podcast. You guys are awesome. Thanks for the compliment. Please stop with the EDH deck. <laughs> Okay. But, but indirect phasing and, and batter skull and germ. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, I, I've actually had phasing questions, really legitimate phasing questions uh, at, at legacy events. Um, so what, what do you guys think? So so Jeff said he's not going to answer this one okay. so, because uh, so, he's, he's a wuss. Uh, Brian, what do you think sure. about this? Okay, so if – if we are in the declare blocker step, um, the question is, will he die? F- will he die from combat? And the way the way I've described combat or phasing from a rules perspective is, you just take a coffee cup or a bowl and just turn it upside down and cover up the card when the creature phases out. So uh, it basically the game can't see it anymore. So that guy isn't going to die from combat. He's not in. He's not there anymore. The game can't see him. He's not going to deal or receive any damage. Um, he's he's gone. And the first the first piece of licensed Judge Cast merchandise you could buy is the uh, cup of phasing. Be available <laughs> on our, uh, our our Kickstarter promo page. Yes, absolutely, uh, <laughs> absolutely. The cup of phasing. You just take it and turn it upside down, and it even says "phased out" like on the bottom of the cup when you turn it upside down. So you can out. read it on top. Yes. So that's how that works. Now, uh, when we're answering this question, because uh, he says he's working on a phasing and banding EDH deck, and so this, since this is something we actually, when talking about uh, uh, banding, we got. I'm going to say at least slightly wrong, maybe dead wrong, and we corrected an episode or two ago. I'm going to I'm going to point it out here again. If uh if you phase out the one blocker with banding, then you won't be able to to do the the damage distribution. Okay? So the creature with banding actually has to be there when you uh divvy up the damage on the uh the blockers in the in the combat damage step. So hope you don't phase out your banalish hero. I remember playing with that card back when I first started the game and not understanding. But now looking back, phasing is, or sorry, not phasing, banding is really strong. It's, oh yeah. All right. Um, so, okay. So we have a question. We have a question here from, uh, from, uh, Sean, uh, Kuiker. Okay, it starts out with Aurelius Fury and Strionic Resonator. And then he says, sends an email, another email that says, sorry, I meant Aurelia the War Leader. Oh, okay. Okay, so Aurelia the War Leader and Strionic Resonator, question mark. I, I guess the follow-up is, well, what happens? Uh, so Aurelia the War Leader uh, has this ability that says, whenever Aurelia War Leader attacks for the first time each combat, untap all creatures you control. After this phase, there is an additional combat phase. Okay. Okay, so what happens when if I activate Strionic Resonator to copy that trigger? Uh, well, intuitively, it sounds like you're going to get another copy of that. That is a true statement. <laughs> yep. So so what's also, so let's walk through what happens, okay? Well, quick question: Who who is did CJ answer this email or did you, Brian? I think CJ answered it. Okay. Well, he he really screwed this up because given the way he wrote the email, which was just this card and this card question mark, I feel like the appropriate answer is just yep. <laughs> Yeah, we can't. I mean, oftentimes in a judge question, you don't give strategic advice. And that's true. I don't think that's that's relevant here. But like, sure. Yes, this works exactly the way you probably think it works. <laughs> oh, it's in the they were looking for how it works. Right. 
Um, so yeah, it makes it makes another it makes two copies of the ability to go on the stack, um, and uh, both of them resolve. And I mean, you're you're gonna get another additional combat step. However, oh yep, here we go. It, and this is the fun part: the trigger untaps your creatures when it resolves. So you untap your creatures, you get another combat step. You immediately untap your creatures again and add a third combat step. So in that third combat step, most of your creatures will be tapped. Right. Because the, the, I've, I've seen this, actually, I think they're on the Mothership today is an article about infinite Aurelia triggers, or infinite Aurelias, or some some amount of that. Infinite Aurelias is the title. Yeah. And I remember when, uh, I think it was like, Dead Eye Navigator and Aurelia were were in the format, but because it's it, it's still the same Aurelia. Uh, if, for example, it was a new object, you can get infinite attacks. Right. Yeah. So the first time it attacks, blah blah blah. Yeah. So the yeah. so the key so the key here is is when you attack the second during the second combat phase, your guys don't untap. Yeah. The guys that tapped to attack during that second combat do not get to automatically untap for your third with Stryonic Resonator. All right. Cool. Cool beans there. All right. We have uh, an email from Adam Wilson. Okay. He asks... The second I post into the chat window so the other guys can see. Hey, guys, I was wondering if you took uh, if you took the amount. Let's see here. Hey, guys, I was wondering if you took the amount that was paid for X in a creature's casting cost into account when looking at it on the battlefield. For example, I have a mist cutter Hydra and I paid five for the X. Is it considered to have a converted mana cost of six or is it something different? So in looking at Miscutter Hydra in various places of the game, let's look at it in our hand. Well, what is Miscutter Hydra first? Miscutter Hydra is a creature that costs X and green, and it can't be countered. It has haste, protection from blue, and it enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters. So it's helpful to look at it as when it's in your hand, when it's on the stack, and when it's on the battlefield. Let's, let's look at those. So on the stack, let's say we paid X is five. Uh, it's going to have a converted mana cost of six. In your hand, it's going to have a converted mana cost of one, because in that case, X is defaulted to be zero. And on the battlefield, it's also going to have a converted mana cost of one. So your ratchet bomb with one counter will be able to kill it, even though it's a five five. The X doesn't stay locked in. Nope. So uh, that also, not just for creatures, that also applies to spells. So our, right. our tried and true example of Fireball, uh, which is X in red, uh, in your hand, it has a converted mana cost of one. 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 Uh, on the, in your graveyard, it has a converted mana cost of one. On the battlefield, it has a converted mana cost of game rule violation because you can't have a sorcery <laughs> on the battlefield. Um, on the stack, um, it has a converted mana cost of whatever X was declared. Well, and your your uh, additional costs. Uh, is that no? No, sorry, that's a, that's a different uh -huh. spell. Yes, no. Well, fire, fireball does have additional costs. Yes. Okay, but it doesn't factor into the converted mana cost. So if you right. say I'm going to fireball, uh, cast fireball. So what fireball does is it's it's X and X and a red. Uh, you're going to deal X damage to uh, divided evenly amongst uh, any the number of creatures, and you can pay one mana to target uh, creatures beyond for each creature you target beyond right. first. So if I want to hit, say, three grizz uh, three bear cubs, oh, three bear cubs with fireball, okay, I'm going to need X equal to six, uh, plus the one red, plus an additional two for the two bear for the two bear cub targets beyond the first. And so that's a total of uh, six plus one plus two is nine. Okay, that's not its converted mana cost. Its converted mana cost is going to be seven. The additional costs don't factor into that. All right, uh, last question. We're just flying through this, man. This one is from Micah Brown, who says, first I, wanna th uh, first, I want to thank you for the hours of entertainment while working out. Hashtag sweating with the oldies. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's an age joke. 
I hate you. Um, it says, while I'm not a judge, oh, I don't care about your question anymore. Not a judge. No, 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 no. We do. Uh, while I'm not a judge, I consider myself knowledgeable about MTG rules and help my local shop when I can. Great. Love to hear that. Uh, during the pre-release, my friends and I had an interesting talk about how the kitty cat cannon, uh, Brimaz, works with his triggered, uh, triggered, uh, blo- with his triggered attack slash blocking triggers. We are trying to interpret 509.7, but could not determine who in the description would be the active player. Could you please review this on a soon-to-be-recorded podcast? So basically, they are looking at uh, rule 509.7 and want to know who the active player is. So do we have any... uh... Uh, Uh, I'm looking up 509.7. Hold on. So 509.7, the rule they're referencing says, if a creature is put onto the battlefield blocking, its controller chooses which attacking creature it's blocking as it enters the battlefield, unless unless the effect that put it on the battlefield specifies what it's blocking... Then the active player announces the new creature's placement in the blocked creature's damage assignment order. The relative order among the remaining blocking creatures is unchanged. A creature put onto the battlefield this way is blocking, but for the purposes of trigger events and effects, it never blocked. Now, what do you do with that stupid cat token? Is is basically the question. Who gets to decide? Poor cat token. It's not stupid. It's well. So it's. I mean, you're saying it's battle what, cat. What you're doing? What what Brimos does? And people don't. Really, you know, people think it's a, a nice, cool card. But let me tell you what Brimoz does. Brimoz takes small cats and throws them under the bus. That's what Brimoz does. Well, I mean, that's maybe that's how you become king of Oreskos in Theros. The king of Oreos? The king of Oreos is you throw cats under the bus. He was the best cat chucker. <laughs> Him and his buddy Brian Stoudar working together. Oh, yes. All right. So uh, so to, for the purposes of, of this situation, the active player is the player who's attacking. The active player is always going to be the player whose turn it is. So anytime that the game rules reference active player, they mean the player whose turn it is. And when they reference non-active player, they mean a player whose turn it is not. Yep. All right. So when, when King of Oreos is attacking... Uh, and the the one one or no no I guess we're we're talking about the blocking one because the attacking one isn't yeah it's it's really kind of weird to to have to deal with combat uh combat damage assignment order when you're an attacker yeah and and well there's some exceptions but yeah right it's it's generally you gotta fabricate that scenario this one's much- so so let me let me give you an example then okay so so you attack me with your giant six six guy all right and I'm, I'm attacking you with, what's that. I'm attacking you with a 6-6. Six, six. Yes. And I block with uh, 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 King of Oreos and uh, Grizzly Bear. Oh, you. And, uh, you know, I don't know, something something else, some like a 3-3 three, three elephant token. And you go, the active player goes, okay, well, the order is going to be the King of Oreos, the elephant and token, and then the Grizzly Bear. Yeah. And then the non-active player puts his trigger on the stack at that sure. point. It creates a token that is blocking. The active player, the player who's attacking, has to put that somewhere in the order he's already decided. He doesn't get to change the order of any of the other creatures, but he gets to decide whether he's going to put it at the beginning, at the end, or somewhere in the middle of that order he's already decided. So I can say I'm going to put Oreos first, then Bear Cub second, and then Elephant third. I can either put the new Kitty Cat first... And then it goes kitty cat, Oreos, cub, elephant. Right. Just just think of it this way. You, you put the blockers in a line, okay? And then the token is going to go in between two of those creatures on that line. But the line doesn't – you don't get to rearrange anything in the line. Just, it could also go at the front or the end. No. Yes. <laughs> yes, it could. Um, yes, yes. So, so at this point, what's going to happen is you decide the order, and then at the end of this combat, we'll have some dead creatures, including your 6-6 bus. Oh, poor kitty cat. Oh, poor milkshake. <laughs> or, what was it? Or battle cat? Or what was the other one's name? Bitty kitty. Bitty cat. How could I forget bitty kitty? <laughs> bitty kitty got destroyed. Bitty kitty got thrown Sorry, under the CJ, bus. You weren't here to protect it. That's right, CJ, you could have prevented this, but instead you had the sniffles and Bitty Kitty got the boot. Oh, I feel really bad now because I like cats. Not Bitty Kitty. Bitty Kitty's mean. I actually don't, I actually don't know. <laughs> He's mean. Okay. 
All right, so that's our show, pretty much. Uh, we went over the policy stuff. We had some rules questions. Uh, do we have any uh, uh, any other comments or plugs or anything like that? Uh, Jeff, what's uh, what's on the horizon for you? Uh, well, I have what hopefully is going to be a busy travel schedule with attending various tournaments all across the U.S. Uh, I love to travel. I love judging uh, everyone who I've met, uh, especially – Shout out to both my RC, Ricky Hayashi, and his fiance Tasha Jamerson, who have been just really awesome for me. Uh, and that yep. would be former host of JudgeCast. That would be Ricky former Hayashi. host of JudgeCast, yes. Ricky Hayashi. Although uh, it looks like the stars are in alignment that Ricky and Sean now live together in the Portland Northwest. And if you haven't heard, we're building a Death Star. I haven't heard. Well, we are. Really? A Death Star? Yes, we are building a Death Star. Uh, That's – how are you funding that? That Money comes and goes. It's not (laughs) – It's in the California area, man. Nothing ever gets paid for. No, we're not in the California area. You're in there. You know that West Coast thing and the the whole (laughs) – The whole side of the country is California over there, right? Right. So – I used to think that when I lived in Boston. However, since I have moved, you know, past the Sierra Madres, um, the Northwest region is comprised of Oregon and uh, Seattle, Washington, Idaho, Montana, Utah, Colorado. We also get Alaska and Hawaii. I heard you just name a bunch of useless square states. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that's that's harsh. There's some important people in one of those quote unquote useless squares. All right, so you. (laughs) I mean, I I went to a judge conference in Montana, and we had like twelve people there. You had way more than that. Don't lie, Jess Dunks. What? We okay? We had we had I think we had something like ten judges attend, and we certified I think another eleven. Yeah. But, you know, having having a small group that that actually there is a strong benefit of that where you get the ability to do some real hands on, you know, nitty gritty stuff because you don't have these these conferences where you're doing giving a presentation to 50 people is just kind of like there's guys in the back playing Candy Crush. And, you know, you, you kind of wonder, you know, you've got the guys in the front that are really paying attention and you just kind of wonder, like, how much you're really getting to the people in the back. But with uh, ten people, you can really you can really get some good learning going. Actually, there is one other shout out I wanted to do, and it's to Scott Nywert, who has uh, been organizing judge meetups that we have regularly, monthly in Portland, and uh, he has an article which I believe is already out on uh, judge blogs, and it's about how to start up your uh, own judge meetups in your local area, and they've been awesome for development for. Uh, for the community in general. So that's another plug I'd like to give. And that's going on. It's going on in the Portland area. Uh, yep. We have the monthly in the Portland area at various shops. Uh, but it's something that you can do in your local area. Um, uh, even, you know, reach, you know, Florida, you probably could do a re, you know, panhandle meetup or, you know, Orlando. <laughs> meetup. We, yeah, we've, we've actually done one of them back, uh, at the beginning of the summer, uh, where uh, – or the end of the summer, rather, we did something in the central Orlando area, and we had something like 20-some-odd judges. And then it devolved into just draft. Well, and you know, we try and have a, a talk, you know, some sort of uh, discussion. Maybe it's about uh, like when there's a mistrigger – or there's the mistrigger updates or when there's a new FAQ. And then we just try and have fun and you know yeah. get to spend more time with each other. Yeah. Here, here's the big thing, guys. OK, for, for those of you in various regions, OK – Hopefully we all like each other. Um, these guys are guys that you work with at events. And if they live near you, even within like an hour or two, hang out with them. Get to know them outside of events, you know, and talk about things. You know, we're fun people, allegedly. <laughs> you know, let's 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 have opportunities to prove that. So, you know, get together, you know, go out to dinner, go to that place that uh, your girlfriend doesn't want to go to or your boyfriend doesn't want to go to. But you can get uh, some guys or some other judges and go to that and you get an excuse to go to that place that you wouldn't normally be able to go to. Yeah, it's it's been really awesome to meet up with people. And also it's helped. uh 
uh, local tournament organizers, you know, get, you know, meet the judges that they are going to work with. Yeah. What Brian is trying to say is that you should have a judge meet up at a strip club. I when I got done with it, I realized I was like, I was actually thinking about uh, uh, there's there's this one place that's just recently opened up on uh, in Orlando that they have out in Vegas. And, and also, yes, it sounds like a strip club, but it's called Hash House of Go Go. And it's just one of these like food network uh, uh, type places where the portions are really huge and the food is kind of extreme and it was really, really awesome. And I've been trying to get people to go to it and it's always like, Oh, it's kind of expensive. Oh, the glasses are tilty and I don't understand. Um, so yeah, uh, and, uh, I, was, I was channeling a little bit there. And little, little known information: Portland, Oregon, actually has more strip clubs per capita than any other uh, metropolitan area in the go. U.S. Fact of the podcast, right there. Do we really need to like a judge meet up at a Chuck E. Cheese? <laughs> no, no. I have a feeling that that would be bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, there are a lot of guys from Florida there. I think the rest of us can contain ourselves. Uh, I'm just, I'm just. Mm. No, that sounds actually terrible. Like bad pizza and, I mean, go to Dave and Buster's. Come on, man. That seems fine. Yeah, we did. Uh, we did a Dave and Buster's thing for Christmas last year, uh, or not the you know the year previous. That was really really fun. I mean, basically the point is, guys. Okay, we all love judging. We all have some. I mean, we all have something in common that we're passionate about. Okay, so you have that to rally around. You know, go hang out with these guys. Get get together outside of events. That's actually how you build strong communities. Is doing things together outside of events. So. Do it. It's not just a Nike logo, <laughs> which is also conveniently in Portland. Well, in Beaverton, the Nike's headquarters. Convenient for who? The reference you just made and me being on the show. Oh, it's got to be about you, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, I have been told that. Mm. And <laughs> whose, podcast, whose podcast is this? Hmm? This hmm? is Jess Dunks's podcast. Oh, right? I set you up for that. He's he's the real level three, right? He, he yes. Um, all right, Jess. Wow. As as the real level three, uh, is there anything you wish to <laughs> you wish to add? Uh, no, no, I, I don't think there's anything that uh, that we need to add. Um, I want to thank Jeff for being on the show and uh, helping us go through the IPG and policy changes, and uh, thank Brian for being a good sport about you know not being a real L three. Not a real L three. Uh, it's fake. It's all. <laughs> It's really not. What's that? I said it's really not. It's just an illusion. It's just. <laughs> it's just. I got. I got somehow. I got the password to like Judge Center and made it. It's all a big giant prank. Hopefully they won't find me out when they realize that no one paneled me. <laughs> how, did, how did he? All right. Well, this is Jess Dunks uh, signing off for JudgeCast. Uh, I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fair. I'm Brian Furlan, I keep it fun. And I'm Jeff Higgins, and I also keep it fun. Aw, <laughs> uh, you can sing the Everything is Awesome song from the Legos movie. Everything is awesome. Oh, I'm okay with that. Well, come on, we'll sing it then. I don't remember the lyrics other than that. Well, <laughs> All right, that's that's yeah, a that's, wrap. That's a wrap. <laughs>